Thanks to Slack for supporting the Productivity Show. Slack is a collaboration hub for work that makes sure the right people on your team are always in the loop and key information is always at their fingertips. Learn more at slack.com. This episode is also brought to you by stamps.com. With stamps.com, you can access all the services of the post office right from your desk. Use the code TPS right now to get a special four-week trial offer, which includes postage and a digital scale. Go to stamps.com in your web browser, click the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in TPS. That's stamps.com, enter TPS. Welcome to The Productivity Show, the Asian efficiency podcast dedicated to helping you make the most of your time, attention, energy, and focus. A lot of people dream of working remotely. They picture themselves checking email occasionally from the beach or working a couple hours a day when it's convenient for them. But anyone who works on a remote team knows it's not all sunshine and rainbows. There's a lot more to it than that. Sure, remote work gives you freedom and autonomy, but working with team members who are halfway around the world has its fair share of challenges as well. In this episode, we talk about how we've managed to build a successful remote team here at Asian Efficiency, and we share the real secret that makes it all work for us. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 211. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, this is Mike Schmitz and with me today to talk about in-person productivity is Marmel. Welcome back to the Productivity Show, Marmel. Hey Mike, it's good to be back. Thank you for you know inviting me again to be part of your show. <laughs> Not just my show, it's our show. Hopefully <laughs> we're going to have you on here uh, a lot more in the future. Um, but I wanted to have you on this episode in particular because the Asian Efficiency Team just hosted uh, a meetup in the Philippines and I was not able to go, but everybody else was was there. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about your experience with the the meetup because I know in episode 200, Brooks Tan and I talked about the process we use for quarterly planning and the benefit of in-person productivity. But that's just the the quote unquote leadership team, I guess. And I wanted your perspective on you know everybody from the team was there except for me. So. Uh, I wanted your perspective on the value that that gave to to you and everybody else who was there. And uh, we're going to slot that in with a basic rundown of of how we work uh, here at Asian Efficiency. So we got a lot of different stuff here. We want to talk about some of our processes since we all work from home. Really, that's kind of the, the, the challenge of, of working remotely. Everybody thinks working remotely is like, well, I'm going to check my email occasionally from the beach and I'm going to work a few hours a day whenever I want to, but uh, that's not exactly that the case. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the specifics and how we make this work here at Asian Efficiency. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. So let's start here with talking about some of the processes here. I think one of the big things that remote teams need to figure out is communication. Uh, there's a couple different tools that you put in the outline. I'll let you talk about how we uh, use those. Yeah, so for Asian efficiency, well, one note for our listeners that we're continuously, you know, improving. Like if there's a new um, app or tool that we think is a lot better, then, you know, we we change to that. So for now, you know, what we're using is, well, there's still there's still email, but we don't use it as much. Probably the most that we use email for is when we send out calendar invites, right? 
Yep. Um, but but when when it comes to you know communication, we use HipChat a lot, with, which is our instant messaging um, software. And like in a few months, it will be merging, you know, with with, with Slack. And then we have Jira. We also communicate through Jira, which is our project management um, software. So we we document, you know, for our task. We put it there. We we tag teammates, and then we have Confluence, which is more like a internal wiki page that that you know that we use. Then for our VOIP, we have or we use we use Zoom. We use it for our meetings when we need to collaborate, even our virtual trainings um, uh, with a team or when we do one on one with a team. We use Zoom and. Every month we have what we call, you know, uh, the our monthly video call, and we also use um, Zoom for that. And one thing that's really important um, when it comes to those tools is, you know, when do we use it? Right? It's not just about the tool or, or the app, but when do we actually use it? Uh, well, let me jump in here real quickly and talk about some of these tools because we're recording the podcast using Skype. I even put in the podcast channel in the Asian Efficiency Slack uh, that we were having a few Skype issues at the beginning, uh, which is pretty common for <laughs> for Skype, to be honest, um, which is why we use Zoom. We needed something more, uh, more reliable for our internal stuff. Unfortunately, Call Recorder, which is what we're using for the, the backup here, um, that is, that's a, a Skype plugin. And there's a couple other things that make Skype kind of the default tool for recording podcasts. Um, you also mentioned that uh, we use HipChat currently, but that's going to be merging with Slack. Uh, the reason we use HipChat internally is that it's made by the same company that created uh, Jira and Confluence. So direct integrations, the thought being there, those are going to be better than something through a third-party application uh, like Slack. Plus also it allows us to separate the team stuff from the customer stuff. So Slack is great because all of our Dojo customers are are in there. And we're recording this live in front of the, the dojo audience. Um, but sometimes you need to have a separate tool for internal stuff just so you don't cross the streams. So that's kind of the reason that we've done it that way. It'll be interesting going forward when uh, we have to move Asian efficiency to, to Slack if, if HipChat completely goes away. Uh, but then the, the next thing, which I think is what you were getting into, we've got actually a whole standard operating procedure based on how to use which tool when, what, how to use them for the, the appropriate uh, the appropriate instances, and also the mm-hmm. the type of uh, response time that you can expect when you use these. Uh, you want to walk through these? Yeah. So, uh, for example, if if it's really time sen- sensitive, if we if it's an emergency, then the first course of action is we use a phone. You know, phone calls, um, and we have a confluence page with everyone's you know phone numbers. Um, but if you know if it's like Less than, you know, four hours, then we use HipChat, you know, our instant um, messaging. Um, And then if it's less than 24 hours, but um, more than four hours, um, we use our HipChat groups. I'm I'm sorry, for for if anything below four hours, then we send a direct message uh, to the the team or the team member. And then... Um, for less than 24 hours, but not less, uh, less than four, then we use just 
you know, regular hip chat wherein we have groups or which is similar to the Slack rooms that we have. But if it's not time sensitive, um, like it's okay if it's beyond 24 hours, then we can always communicate uh, via Jira or even email if needed. Yep, absolutely. So just to run through real real quickly, like when you would use these, because there's examples in this uh, standard operating procedure as well. So if you need an, something solved immediately, it's a critical emergency, that's when you pick up the phone and you call. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you need something that you that someone specifically needs to address or you need a response as soon as possible, that's where the direct messages come in. If you just have general questions or you need somebody to reply or fix something when they get a chance... That's where the, uh, the, the the group rooms, like the inbox, for example, um, w- would appear. And uh, and oftentimes, like if you need somebody to to answer a specific question, you tag somebody in that general room. But you see, everyone can can see it. Uh, and then also, if it's uh, if it's going to take more than twenty four hours, you have questions about a specific issue in Jira, so something that the team is working on, or a specific page. In, um, in Confluence, uh, then that's where you would comment on the blog post. You would make a comment in the, the issue, maybe send an email, although we have almost no internal email here at Asian Efficiency. A lot of this stuff happens inside of Confluence and Jira because then we've got a running record of things. And also when we have our daily huddle, which is our five to 10 minute call every single day, we go over the board and we can look at, everyone can see those comments and can see exactly where things are at as we address any roadblocks that the team might have. True. And even when we, you know, when we comment um, on Jira, what usually happens is, you know, especially when we need a response. Um, so we comment in Jira, we, we tag our teammate, and then we also send a hip chat message, you know, just in case. <laughs> yep. Yep. We don't want anything to fall <laughs> through the cracks. <laughs> Precisely. All right. And then we've got uh, the next section on the outline here is the meetings, which we kind of talked about. We've got the daily huddle every single day. And then uh, pretty much every other meeting that we have is grouped into what we call meeting day, which you were on the podcast to talk about in episode 195. So we won't go through all the specifics of that. But uh, basically, we try to put all of our meetings in the same day so that maybe Wednesdays are going to suck because we have to go from meeting to meeting to meeting. But the rest (laughs) of the week then is, is clear for you to focus on and do your deep work or work on the other projects are going to move things forward in the sprints. True. And, uh, and during meeting days, we basically, you know, clear out our schedule. It's just meeting day. So we already know, and you know, our expectations are set that we won't be able to do much work except for meetings. Yep. And also that kind of leads into the next point, because this is something that Tan brought up even recently. Uh, we have, uh, unlimited, no guilt, leave policy at Asian Efficiency. (laughs) And uh, one of the things, though, with that is everybody is expected to do their very best to be at the meetings on on meeting day. Mm -hmm. It's in the middle of the week, so it's not really a big deal most of the time. And occasionally people are out for an entire week. That's not a huge deal either. But if you're going to take a day off here or there, we ask that you do it at the beginning or the end of the week so that everybody can be there for the meetings to make sure that they are as productive as they can be. True. And, you know, it helps that we have our, our team calendar that is visible for everyone in the team that we know when or who is going to go and leave, you know, and when. Yep. Uh, last thing here is that we use Scrum, which, again, you were on the podcast to talk about in episode 191. So we won't go into all the specifics here. We also had um, uh, had a Scrum Master on in episode 189. Uh, we talked about some of the the ways that you could use Scrum aside from our personal experience of using it here at Asian Efficiency. Uh, 
But uh, this is how we get our work done. We work in two-week sprints. We plan everything that we need to do. We've got different people who are responsible for grooming the backlog and picking the issues that we're going to slot into the sprints. And then we've got our sprint meetings where we decide what we're finalize what we're going to be working on. We've got the retrospective as part of that too, where we talk about what worked, what didn't work, what should we start doing, stop doing, and keep doing, you know, all those kinds of things. And that's a little bit longer meeting, but there's a lot of insight that comes from those meetings and it helps us be more effective in our work for the next two weeks. As a Scrum Master, uh, any other insights regarding how Asian Efficiency uses Scrum? I think you already nailed, you know, just the the summary uh, for it. But I think one one more thing about Scrum is that, you know, um, it's a big part of it is really Kaizen. Working in sprints make us, you know, improve our processes sprint on sprint. Yeah, Kaizen's a really good point. That's one of our core yeah. values. Uh, literally means small improvements. So we're always looking for ways to uh, to tweak what we're doing and manipulate those those systems that we have in place so that they can work even better and we can we can be more effective in in uh, in how we work. Yeah, and that's why the retrospective meeting is really important. Yep, the retrospective is honestly one of my favorite parts of the <laughs> the sprint meeting. <laughs> I feel kind of bad because I put so much stuff on there and I feel like sometimes it can be just like me complaining because I I point out all the things basically that went wrong. (laughs) But one of the things I appreciate about the Asian efficiency team is that everybody doesn't view it that way. Like I've worked in in places before where you you say things and you're like, hey, I noticed that this wasn't right and people can kind of take it as like a personal Mm -hmm. attack. Nobody views it that way uh, on the Asian efficiency team. It's just like, okay, this thing happened. How do we make sure it doesn't doesn't happen again? Uh, but I think that there's a lot of value that comes from that that retrospective. I honestly can't imagine working without that anymore. I completely agree. It's really <laughs> important. And you don't have to say that you... I think there's no such thing as putting too much in the retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although sometimes it does take us quite a bit to, to get through there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about some of these uh, common issues when you're working in a remote team. I feel like a lot of the stuff that we just shared. Uh, That's a lot to do with this first one of communication. Communication can obviously be difficult when you are not in person, but a lot of that comes down to the expectations, which is why that standard operating procedure that we have regarding all of the uh, when you should use what and how you're supposed to communicate certain things uh, really comes in handy. Yeah, and one one more thing, why communication is a common issue. And we're not just talking about, you know, Asian efficiency, but remote teams in general, is that um, most of the time people do not, you know, do not put in specifics. You know, I I remember Tan saying there's no such thing as overly, you're over communicating, you know, especially when you're in, in a remote team, you have to be very, you know, very specific. You don't wait five, uh, you know, five days um, and then reach out to the person. If you can do it daily, you know, find out um, what's happening with a task, then you should do that. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's something that we're struggling with a little bit currently with uh, working with some some third parties kind of reminds mm-hmm. us how, how well we do it, I guess, here at Asian Efficiency, not to just toot our own, own horn or, or navel gaze, but it's a reminder of it's not always so smooth <laughs> when yeah. you have to email people and follow up and be like, hey, where is this thing that you said was going to be there on <laughs> Friday? Uh, that can be a little bit frustrating. It is because, you know, 
because we're used to the way we do things, like when we communicate regularly and when we say it's going to get done, it's going to get done. And then suddenly we're working with, with a third party and oops, time to step back, you know, I don't want to say lower our standards, but it's more of just setting, we have to reset our expectations that, okay, they're not Asian efficiency. So probably they have a different process. Yeah. And honestly, it doesn't even matter whether our process is quote unquote better than the other process. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said we have to reset our expectations because it's not their fault. They don't know all of our communication expectations. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have access to the the wiki with the standard operating procedure on how to <laughs> communicate as part of the Asian efficiency team. <laughs> So we have to recognize that going in and, uh, you know, we have a whole podcast episode and even a, a whole course in the, the, uh, the dojo on effective delegation and how you can delegate things to third parties or people outside your organization uh, when, and how to communicate things effectively so that it gets done in a timely manner. It gets done in the way that you want it to get done. I mean, it's not just for working with a, a virtual assistant or uh, as part of a, a remote team. Uh, occasionally when you've got like a designer who's working on a new landing page or something like that. I mean, everybody can figure out how to use these things in their their daily life. True. All right. So communication, uh, that's the number one thing I would say that can derail a remote team. Uh, the second thing is scheduling or time zone differences. So finding the right schedule that'll work for everybody, I think we're kind of uh, kind of spoiled in this regard with how we do this at, at Asian Efficiency because there, even though we have people literally all over the world, uh, when you join the team, at least this was my experience. You know, things can change occasionally, but you kind of know what you're getting into when you sign up with the Asian Efficiency team, and uh, you're either okay with that or you're not. It's not yeah. like okay, let's get everybody on board, and then we'll try to wrangle all these cats and figure out what works for everybody. How we did it was we basically get we we got everyone's buy-in. Like, when are you you know available? And I think it was Brooks who who set it set it up. But I think you know having, for example, having our daily huddle at 11 a.m. Central without fail um, really helped out because, um, for example, for me, um, uh, for those in the Philippines anyway, we get to adjust our, our schedules accordingly. You know, and, and there are times when even when, when Tan is in, in Europe, because we already have that, that set schedule of 11 a.m. Central, then he adjusts as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So the the way that we established meeting day was we made a list of all the meetings that we had and, and figured out like what's the only way that this could work for <laughs> for everybody and made it <laughs> made a schedule for the day and then Brooks put out the poll like which day works better and I think it was mm-hmm. either Tuesday or Wednesday we finally landed on on Wednesday as oh, the Wednesday. the uh, the meeting day um, but when you're thinking about okay so what are the times when everybody is uh, is awake uh, based on the expectations when they signed up for the for the team, you know, because some of this stuff like we're recording this at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. But I asked you, you sure you want to do this because I know this is really <laughs> late for you. Uh, but it's kind of I don't want to say expected, but like you you knew that because we're a quote unquote U.S. company that like that's what the schedule is based off of that. Occasionally there would be times like this where you're staying mm-hmm. up a little bit later and, and you're OK with that because you've got the the flexibility and the the control, the freedom, the autonomy to, to, to work around this. Yeah. yeah so I have no problems, you know, and mo- mo- most of us in the team, we don't have any problems with, you know, adjusting as 
as you mentioned, it's not every day anyway, right? So yep. we're pretty cool with that. <laughs> and it's not like you're expected to be in the office at 8 a.m. your time yeah. tomorrow morning either. So if, if, you know, if you're staying up late, you can sleep in tomorrow, whatever. Like everybody kind of makes their own their own schedule. Um, but we do work around, like we said, the, the meeting day on, on Wednesdays and the, uh, the daily huddle at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Uh, Central Time, U.S. Um, and even in the in the the U.S. time zone, you know, Brooks is Pacific time zone. So um, that's that was a little bit of, a, of an adjustment, too, because it's two hours earlier for him. And uh, he doesn't and, and I don't, don't blame him, you know, doesn't want to do calls at <laughs> 630 in, in the morning, <laughs> his time uh, as he's trying to get, you know, kids out the door to school and, and stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, you know, we've, we've got those expectations in, in place. And so when we do need to have another meeting, it's kind of like, okay, well, typically our meetings are, are these, these days, you know, and, uh, they're around these times. And so maybe we look like before that or right after that, but we kind of have that baseline established already. So maybe this kind of comes back to communication. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And setting up expectations. Yep. Yep. Uh, number three on the list is the language and cultural barriers. Um, you want to speak to this one? Yeah. So language and cultural barriers is one of those is- common issues, especially though, especially if, you know, your some of your remote team members are not based, you know, based in the United States. Although, for example, me, I, I speak English. <laughs> it's not my first language. You know, um, I we have our own dialect and there are times when, I'm not sure if you've heard the term transliteration, like we translate in literal terms our dialect to English. And when we say it out loud, it doesn't make sense. But for us, it does. (laughs) So, so, you know, that's one for for language. And then the culture um, barriers, like um, just speaking as a Filipino, um, we're we're known to be meek. We, you know, in, in general, we don't speak up. You know, and for for some cultures, they would uh, they would say that okay, so she agrees because she's not saying anything. But it it's only because um, in our culture is that you know we tend to keep quiet because we're not sure if we talk if we talk and offer our opinion that that other person might get offended. You know, so th- those there there are those cultural barriers like that. Right. And uh, I think the the biggest thing for overcoming those is just recognizing that they exist. One of the things yes. <laughs> that I think Tanda has done a really great job of is whenever we've had meetings and, and people are quiet and like he'll call people out and be like, hey, Marie or Marmel, what do, what do you think about this? <laughs> <laughs> True. So you have to be on your toes all the time. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, you have to you have to understand the way people think before you can encourage the the behavior that you want in in the the meetings. Uh, I, I guess I'm I'm curious from your perspective, has it been difficult to work against the the cultural norms, I guess, and contribute to meetings, or do you find it fairly easy now that you know kind of the Asian efficiency culture? It's fairly easy for me. Um, I guess part of it is because. Um, Ever since I started uh, started working, I've always been working with foreigners, you know, um, not just you know Americans, but Indians and um, English from like from Scotland. So um, I guess it was I was trained. <laughs> okay. 
And being an Asian efficiency made it a lot easier because the people are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the fourth common issue when working with a remote team is tracking performance, or I should say that the issue would be the lack of tracking performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not talking about sent so many emails or wrote so many words or made so many phone calls, which I think is probably what a lot of people think of when they think of tracking performance. But this kind of goes back to the whole discussion on Scrum. Like, what's the thing that's adding value? What's allowing us to ship things and and publish things Mm -hmm. and get things done? That's what we want to track. So for us, it's story points in our JIRA board. Yep. And if we are able to, you know, finish everything that we agreed on during the start of the sprint, Yep, exactly. Are we are we meeting our our expectations internally? Are we living up to the the cadence? You know, we know about we've been doing this long enough now that we know about how many story points we should be we should be able to get done in in any given sprint. We kind of know like this is how many story points per person. We even use that when calculating and doing our backlog grooming and like what's what's a heavy sprint versus a light sprint. And sometimes we do have to just push through things because we've got deadlines coming up and we've got to get stuff done. Uh, but other times we figure out creative ways to <laughs> to reduce the story points and still get yeah. things still still get things done. That's kind of been a uh, an interesting balance between keeping the lights on, so to speak, and uh, quarterly rocks and and new initiatives, things that we want to want to do that are are new. But somehow, you know, whenever we sit down for a sprint meeting or a backlog grooming meeting, you know, prior to the sprint meetings. Sometimes I go in there and I'm like, there is no way this is going to work. But we always figure out a way to make it work. (laughs) (laughs) True. And one thing um, with performance is that we also have our function and accountability chart. So aside from from the sprint, we we know what we're accountable for. And we discuss that, you know, um, every week and then another during our monthly calls. Yep. Yep, exactly. And uh, that's not part of the sprint, but it's something that is kind of always in the the back of your your head like we have our monthly meeting this week and I've mm-hmm. got to pull some monthly metrics that's not <laughs> time I'm going to track against any issue in the in the sprint but uh, it happens consistently enough that you know we we kind of work around those things thanks to slack for supporting the productivity show slack is a collaboration hub for whatever type of work you do whether you are a large corporation or a small remote team like us here at Asian Efficiency. With Slack, communicating with your team is easier and more efficient because the right people are always kept in the loop and the information they need is always at their fingertips, no matter where in the world they happen to be. Teamwork on Slack happens in channels, allowing you to organize conversations and share them more effectively by making sure that the right people have the right information, which results in your work being more organized and your conversations staying on topic. When everything you need to work is conveniently stored in one location, it's faster and easier to get things done. With Slack, your team is better connected and more productive. Find out more at slack.com. It's no secret that I hate email with the intensity of a thousand suns. It's an extremely inefficient way of asynchronous communication, which is a fancy way of saying that it's a one-way communication medium. The problem with this is that conversations can't happen in real time, and piling up messages in your inbox just adds to the stress and overwhelm of not being able to keep up with everything. How many times have you had to have several back and forth emails in order to finish a project or reach a decision? Well, with Slack, that's not an issue. 
Slack solves the email problem by allowing you to organize your team with real-time messaging, video and voice calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives all in one easy-to-use app that is available on any platform. This makes Slack a much better tool for collaboration by reducing emails and streamlining your team's communication. By eliminating the need for internal email, Slack also saves you time and improves your productivity because it makes it easy to locate the information you're looking for when you need it. No more searching through thousands of emails for that one follow-up message you need to reply to or searching multiple systems to find what you're looking for. And with Slack's mobile apps for iOS and Android, all conversations and information is synced seamlessly so you can always pick up where you left off no matter where you are. Now I know what you're thinking. You're probably saying to yourself, but Mike, won't I just be replying to Slack messages all the time instead of email? How does that really help me focus on my work? Well, Slack really is a next level team communication platform because Slack gives you granular control over your notifications and integrates with the other tools you need like Jira, Salesforce, Zendesk, and Google Drive, just to name a few. So you can control which notifications you receive and you can even set do not disturb hours so that you aren't interrupted when you need to focus and get things done, allowing you to escape your inbox and get real work done. Slack, where work happens. Learn more at slack.com. That's slack.com. Thanks to Slack for supporting the productivity show. All right, next one. Uh, Lack of trust with people you have not interacted with on a personal level. And this really gets at the heart of what we're talking here, talking about here today, this in-person productivity. You know, if you've never met these people, which uh, full disclosure, I have not physically met you yet, Marmel. Yeah, um, we miss you during the meetup, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's just proof that, you know, just because we haven't met in person doesn't mean that we can't work around that, but it does make things a whole lot easier. It does. And you know what? Um, I guess we are um, fortunate in such a way that when we started with Asian Efficiency, we we had a baseline of, you know, trust. Trust is the base for everything. What to get things done, to get things shipped out, there has to be trust, you know, in the team, even if we've not, uh, you know, we've not met each other in person yet. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think part of the reason that that works or we're able to overcome that is because everybody on the team has to read the five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick Lencioni, which I know you actually did a team training on at one point. Yes, and it's one of my, you know, favorite books and really the foundation of, you know, of a, f- a functioning team is is trust. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, actually, let's maybe jump off there and, and go into, you know, why we do these these meetups regularly, why we focus on the in-person productivity so much, since that's kind of the, the topic here anyways. Um, obviously a big part of this is going to be a a collaboration, which is another thing that we had on the list of common issues and working in a a remote team collaboration. This is something that can really derail you if you don't do it right. I think it was great at work by Morton Hanson. They talked about how teams will tend to either under collaborate, which I think is really easy to do in a remote team. But also if you have such a focus on collaboration, you can also over collaborate. I mean, if we are in Zoom all day, every day, collaborating and, and brainstorming about, you know, 
blog posts that I'm going to write and creating content for the the podcast, things like that. There's probably not a whole lot that <laughs> that actually gets done that gets published. Um, so we we don't want to uh, don't want we want to make sure that we're we're balancing that. Um, but like the five dysfunctions of a team talks about, I mean, that's a, a leadership fable by Patrick Lencioni, and and he uses the the story of the CEO that takes over and she takes the whole team off site. So kind of lost in the whole story and the mental model that Patrick Lencioni uh, frames in that, that story is the fact that they are getting off site and they have, they're doing these, these meetups uh, essentially uh, to make this work, to implement this. And so we do that a couple different ways. We've got the quarterly planning that we do with Brooks, Tan and myself. Uh, once a quarter we get together, we talk about what we want to accomplish as a, as a company over the next 12 weeks or so. Um, but then also recently, like I mentioned, the inspiration for this particular episode was the the Philippines meetup uh, that you you just had. So you want to talk us through the Philippines meetup, just kind of high level, and then we'll get into some of the specifics. But like, what did you guys do when you all got together in the <laughs> Philippines? When we, when we first talked about, you know, having a meetup, it was mainly to have training uh, with Brooks. At first, it was just going to be Brooks who was going to fly uh, fly over and do training because we, during that time, like several months ago, Sherby and Mary, our customer success team members, were still new. So we wanted to do training uh, training with them. And then we found out that Tan was, was going to be flying to Asia during those time, th- those, those time of that time. So we figured... You know, let's just do a meetup. And unfortunately, Mike, you were not able to to come because you also had to um, to attend a a seminar or a conference. Right? Yep, I was presenting at Max Stock. Otherwise, I would have been there. <laughs> so there. So first, it's really about um, it was about training, but most importantly, it was just to socialize. You know, personal interaction with the team and work together. So those were you know the three uh, main reasons why we did the meetup. All right. So let's talk about the fun stuff first, the socializing. (laughs) Uh, What are some of the things that you did when you were all together? To be honest, the training part was also the fun part. (laughs) We we had, um, because it's really different when you do in-person training because you see the the quirks of, you know, your, your, your team members. You know, I thought Mary was shy and she wasn't. (laughs) So we, we had games and, um, you know, even the training or the socialization did not stop you know, when we go outside the, the conference room because we would have breakfast together, lunch together, and dinner together. So it was a continuous, you know, process of just socializing and learning from each other. Did you guys do karaoke? Oh, no. I don't know who's <laughs> going to sing. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I know uh, outside of the, the, the structure, that's where a lot of the really exciting stuff happens, at least for me. Like, we would have the day planned and these are the things that we're going to talk about, but then we go to dinner and we're officially done. And that's where some of the best ideas come from. <laughs> it's just the conversations that happen there. Or like when, when Tana Brooks were in Wisconsin, uh, Brandon Wentland, who has produced some modules for the, the dojo, some training courses on like the 12 week year and uh, the journaling uh, course. He did that one as well. He's been on the podcast previously uh, he was real close to the hotel that they stayed at. So we went over to his office and we played Carcassonne because Tan and Brooks are, are big Carcassonne players. 
Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, we talking to Brandon floated the idea of one of our quarterly rocks is a new project that we're, we're working on, not ready to reveal the specifics of it yet, but I've talked to a few people inside the dojo, uh, actually at game night, that's where we floated it for the first time and got some, got some responses from, from Brandon and his initial reaction, uh, positive or negative, you know, was, was really valuable. Uh, the, the holes that he saw in the the presentation and just like the, the problems that he foresaw and really like that was, was there going to be value there for, you know, for one of our ideal customers? And, uh, if not, you know, what are the things that we could do that, that really hit the mark as opposed to this thing that in the, the group think scenario in the conference room, we're all like, yeah, this is a great idea. You know, you get out in the real world and you float it by some people and, and you, you get the real responses to it. That usually in my, my experience anyways, it doesn't just confirm whether you are hitting the mark or not. A lot of times you're close and you're not quite hitting it, but one comment from one person helps you adjust even ever so slightly. And now like, that's the thing. So that's the kind of thing that happened, uh, you know, in, in Wisconsin when we, we socialized. Um, but I'm sure you had plenty of, uh, plenty of uh, experiences like that in the, the Philippines as well. I want to talk about the training section here. So I know one of the things that you guys did, which is different from the quarterly planning, is that everybody presented something, correct? Yes, correct. We all presented something, but it, it's not like it's work. It's not work related. It doesn't have to be work related. The first time I, I did this, um, like uh, two years ago, I, I think when Tan first came to the Philippines for the meetup, was I talked about pugs, you know, the dog. <laughs> So the the presentation was another way to get to know each other. Um, then uh, for the for for the meetup two weeks ago, this time I, I presented about you know my my heritage or my my family history. Then Marie talked about her trip to Korea. So it was fun at the same time. You know, um, it was a learning experience as well. So you don't have to be scared about these these presentations. What were some of the other presentations uh, that people presented? Um, t- Brooks talked about his heritage uh, as well, and then um, Sherby did a very nice presentation about you know sixty seconds about her, just a slide about her 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 likes or what what she does during her free time. And it was during her presentation that I found out that she always she also does Muay Thai, which I also do. So it's like, <laughs> what? I did not know. So it was pretty cool. And then um Mary talked about, you know, being a productive mom, you know, what what changed um, before she was so stressed out, you know, with three kids. And now ever since she joined AE, she made some changes based on what she learned um, you know, with our courses. So it was awesome. Nice. Yeah. I know that some of these, uh, these presentations at these get togethers for the company that's resulted in a lot of the, the podcast episodes that we've done. <laughs> like one of the very first ones we did, I think it was episode three on efficient travel by Tan. I think that that was, uh, the result of a training, uh, presentation that he put together. I know there was one on supplements, uh, way back at the beginning that uh, Aaron had had put together during a presentation. Um, I did one on on plain text for my first one when I came down to Austin. Zach was on the team. He he presented on uh, Love is a Killer App by Tim Sanders. You know, the, the Love Cat Way, I think, is the title of his his presentation. So you do you do learn a lot about the people. You also get some 
some some insights into some things, like you said, not just about personal stuff, but uh, the the Love Cat Way thing that Zach had done a while back. Uh, that's the first introduction that I had to Tim Sanders. He's now one of my my favorite authors. I, I love uh, pretty much every book that that he's written. First time I heard about it was in in one of those presentations. What about the uh, the actual like work part of this? I'm sure that you did some training as it pertained to Jira or the tools that we mm-hmm. use as well. Um, what what was your big takeaway from any of that stuff? Anything that you learned that you're like, oh my gosh, I should have been doing this for uh, for mm-hmm. a long time. Um, working together and seeing you know other team members work like for example you know you take for i take for granted the fact that i'm not take for granted but you know it's not really something that i think about all the time but it's something that i use all the time which is text expander and and then (laughs) during um during the meetup we realized that sherby and mary weren't using text expander but you know during um uh because they saw us and they saw tan on on the screen you know um you know, typing, and then they realize, hey, what what app is that? And just seeing that, they realize that it could, well, they're already using it, makes their life so much easier. <laughs> nice. And, and then and then I found out that Brooks talks to himself while he's working, and I talk to myself when I'm working too. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> nice. So the there's some tech workflows and things like that that are easier to discuss uh, in person. I know one of the things that you had mentioned here in the, the show notes were kind of jumping out of order. So don't mean to throw a curveball at you, but <laughs> since you were talking about text expander, I know you've got a couple other examples here of some tech workflows that people fixed uh, from being in person. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure if, if you remember, but there was a time during our huddle that Sherby had issues with Skitch. So Skitch is, is an app that we use to take screenshots. So for her, it wasn't working because it wasn't connecting or syncing with, with her Evernote. Um, all the while, I was thinking that um, it was just a Skitch problem. But during, um, during the meetup, I found out that Sherby didn't know about, you know, the command shift three or command shift four, the Mac shortcut for, um, for the screenshots. So right then and there, I showed her how to do it. And Mary, who was sitting beside me, was just listening. And, and I suddenly I heard that sound when you take a screenshot because she was also testing it out. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> like, oh, you're doing it too. So um, and then there was Alfred. Um, I installed Al- <laughs> Alfred, you know, I think several weeks before before the before the meetup, but I wasn't able to set it up and I did not purchase the power pack. <laughs> I remember you telling me you had to purchase it. But with Tan being there with the company credit card, he was like, <laughs> go purchase it. And then um, Marie installed it, Mary installed it, and Sherby installed it. And the great thing was with Tan and Brooks there, um, they were both able to help us set it up you know, um, put in uh, workflows as well. And then same with, with Text Expander. Um, so it was a lot easier um, to do it with Brooks and Tan because like experts on, uh, on those apps. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily need to be an expert either that can help you solve a problem. Just being, just having somebody watch you like over your shoulder as you're, you're working and they can point out like the command shift three, for example, 
uh, or Command Shift Four. Actually, you know, there's a different version of that. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Marmel, but if you wanted to get like a window, you can hit Command Shift Four and then the space bar, and then you can select the window you want, and it grabs a screenshot, puts a little drop shadow behind it. That's pretty much what I do every time I, I use a, a screenshot for anything. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that becomes really obvious when you're in person and it can come up in conversation like it did just here as well but it can also be overlooked very easily because you can't physically see the other person you can't see what they're doing and there's a lot of value in just watching how people work especially if you have that growth mindset where it's like i'm gonna look uh, we're, we're examining how each other work specifically for the purpose of improving the systems that we have in place you know, I think there's a lot of value in that. It's not because you could also watch people work in, with the intent of pointing out all the things that they do wrong. But that's not what we do here at Agent Efficiency. <laughs> the goal is to understand the tech issues and to figure out a way to, to fix it. Because it's an ongoing you know, conversation when you're sitting beside that person and, uh, you know, they see you using your computer and they learn just by looking at, at you, you know. It's it's different when you even when you're sharing screens, it's really not the same like how we do it in Zoom. Yeah, I remember um, being during a, one of our quarterly planning meetings, watching Tan uh, add issues to Jira, and he hits the the period key to pull up that mm-hmm. that window, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, you didn't know how to do that?" And I'm like, "No, I didn't know how to do that." <laughs> since then, you know, he's he's made a point to to tell people even in the the online stuff like this is how you how you do this sort of thing and i think brooks actually did a whole jira training on it at one point and mentioned that that feature um but seeing things like that in person like it's amazing like what sort of things will jump out at you and something simple like that can make what you do on a day-to-day basis a lot a lot easier Imagine uh, Mary and Sherby's happiness when they figured out how to use text extender. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> definitely. Just typing in, you know, email. Just, you know, just think about it. Just typing in your email every single day, 10 times a day or more. And then suddenly there's text expander with, you know, just a few strokes. <laughs> Thanks to Stamps.com for supporting the Productivity Show. With Stamps.com, you can access all the services of the post office right from your desk. These days, you can get practically anything on demand. And with Stamps.com, you can even get your postage on demand. You don't need to fight traffic to get to your local post office the next time you need to send a letter or package. With Stamps.com, you can buy and print real U.S. postage for any letter or any package, anytime, anywhere. Stamps.com is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Just click, print, mail, and you're done. I've been using stamps.com for years because it is so convenient to get the postage I need whenever I need to send something. I used to hate having to send letters, packages, and invoices because it seemed like I never had the postage I needed. I would have to drive to the post office, stand in line, buy my stamps, and finally I'd be able to send my mail. But when I started using stamps.com, I didn't have to go anywhere anymore. I could print my postage right there from my desk and I never had to leave the house. It was way more efficient and made the productivity nerd inside of me extremely happy. If you're ready to put unnecessary errands behind you, use the code TPS right now for a special offer just for listeners of this podcast. Go to stamps.com in your web browser right now. Before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage. 
Then type in the code TPS. That will get you the four-week trial, which includes postage and a digital scale. And it will let them know that you came from this show. That's stamps.com, enter code TPS. Our thanks to stamps.com for supporting the productivity show. Uh, you had a point in the outline where there's a boost in productivity after a meetup. <laughs> Do you want to explain that? <laughs> I mean, part of that is you've, you've overcome the tech issues and you've solved things for people, but what else uh, kind of contributes to that? I guess it's uh, you because you've already worked um, together. You know how the other person works. So you have that confidence that, you know, you can just reach out to the person and ask and you don't have to second uh second second guess yourself you know, i don't have to think about do you think it's okay if i ask brooks this question it's because i've already interacted with him i know it's okay you know, right. it's literally it's literally just like because in the meetup um we were sitting together brooks myself and then mary then in front was uh, you know tan sherby and then marie so it is it's now as easy as like you know poking that poking brooks and say brooks can you help me out <laughs> So is Brooks as, as nice in person as he is in HipChat? Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, one of the points that you had in the outline here was that trust equals speed. Um, so I think that's kind of to your point. You know, when you know somebody, when you have physically been in the same places as, as that person, it gives you that confidence to reach out to them via HipChat or any of the other online tools that we've we've talked about at the beginning with our standard operating procedure and I think a very important point that you had called out in the, the outline is that when you've got a relationship that's been built with that person, there's a deeper connection, a better relationship with that person that translates not just from being in the same room, but in every interaction that you have with them. And then that makes you more comfortable and confident with working with that person remotely and the end product is more effective work. True. And then you also don't hesitate when it comes to asking for feedback or doing your 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 tasks because if something goes wrong, you already know that that person is going is not going to judge you, that they're going to help you. Right, right. What about the training itself? Like how is it different when you are in person as opposed to even the remote trainings that we do via Zoom when we record them and archive them for everybody? Like what's in your opinion what is the the biggest difference between doing the training in person? Doing training in person is different in such a way that because you're physically, you know, you're physically there in one space. Um, and at the back of your mind, you know, you know that everyone traveled from, you know, thousands, thousands of miles away. And you know that it's your responsibility to make the most out of that training session. Um for for example, um, for for Entreport, um, during the meetup, we created a, a several campaigns um, that's going to that already went live like uh, a week ago. Um, we did the same training uh, vir- virtually, like over Zoom. I think it was Marie, myself, Mary, and Sherby together with Brooks. We we did the same training, but when we redid the campaign or we when we made the campaign during the meetup, there were still some things that you know we forgot. You know? But when we did it on site, we get to explain how we like. Um, so Mary and myself, we paired up. 
Um, so it was easier to explain to her and show her than after doing it on my own, she'd do it on her computer and I'd be looking at her and tell her, oh, you forgot this. And then she she would do the next thing and not forget. Nice. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing that the takeaway for you personally, having done it in person, it sticks with you more than yes. viewing the <laughs> online training. So even yes, if it, it really even does. if it covered the same material, it's you're going to retain more when you do it in person. True, and we did the story brand um, story brand training before the meetup. We went through the the online course, and you even did uh, a short training uh, with a team, right? Yep. And during during the tr- the the meetup, we did another one, you know, with with Tan and. Um, being able to dis, uh, discuss it in detail and give out more examples and explaining how we understood it in in that setting, it helped out a lot. Nice. Like we get better understanding. Uh, any other benefits from the in-person meeting as opposed to what we do day to day remotely? You'll not get sleepy. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, just being being realistic, you know. When when you're right in front of of that that person, you have to be there, like mentally, physically, emotionally. You're there. But when you're doing it, you know, um, over Zoom, somehow I don't know if if you know I'm making sense. But there's like a sort of detachment because yep. of it's just a screen. Even if you do a video call, yeah, it's not the same as being in the the same location. Mm-hmm. I guess the so, term I would use would be that you're more engaged, although that term engaged oh, yeah. probably gets thrown around way too much. Anything else? Uh, any other benefits from the in-person meeting as opposed to any any of the other communication that we do here at Asian Efficiency to, to make the company work? Well, another one is you learn how others work. <laughs> Right, right, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That kind of goes not necessarily with the tech issues, but it's sort of related because it maybe isn't a problem that you have, but you notice that somebody else is doing something way more efficiently than you are. And then you ask them, like, hey, how are you doing that? Then they share their text expander snippet or their Alfred workflow, yeah. <laughs> and then it makes what you do on a daily basis a lot easier. And, um, like, when, when we were in the meetup, it was so easy to like even Tan would 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 ask Brooks like hey Brooks how did you do that and then Brooks would show us and that it's not just Tan who gets to benefit benefit from Brooks' explanation everyone there is able to you know follow and copy it. <laughs> yep, yep, definitely. Anything else? Um, one more thing. It removes awkwardness. <laughs> All right. So what do you mean? What do you mean by that? My best example, again, I hope Mary listens to this, is Mary. (laughs) Um, So I thought that she was shy, that she, you know, she won't talk as much. But when I met her, it was so different. You know, it was like an an entire screen was lifted out. And I saw a different side of Mary that just removed, you know, that that awkward um, hi, hello, when you first meet meet someone in person. And then she's so funny and, you know, she would make jokes. And if Brooks doesn't understand or Tan doesn't understand that she'd ha- she would have to what do you call this, act it out. 
Okay. So basically, if I'm hearing you right, I'm going to rephrase this a little bit. You can tell me if I understand this. Um, when you are working remotely, it, it's possible that you can kind of like fake it for a while. But when you're in the, the same location, like you are who you are and people see the real you. Yes. Okay. And then once they see the real you, then it's no longer like I'm trying to live up to this expectation. Like this is, they've seen who I am. So this is just <laughs> how I'm going to be. Yeah. So it, it removes that veil. Yeah. I, I can definitely see that. Uh, one of the, the things that I did um, before I started working full-time with the Asian efficiency team is I actually drove down to Texas uh, for a, a conference in Dallas, but then I, I went the extra couple couple hours to meet Tan and Zach at that, at that point uh, in person. And uh, that was really valuable. We had a meetup at a local coffee shop and it really gave me confidence in saying like, yeah, these are guys that I, I want to work with um, because I had I had seen them and met them in person. And uh, there's just a whole nother level of confidence that comes from that. There's one thing that that I want to want to add. So during our like our monthly call or during our sprint sprint meetings, we usually have or we do have every single time our round table or gratitude, right? Yeah. During the meetup, we did that on the last day as well. Um, and the feeling is different when 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 you thank someone and you're right in front of, front of them in person, you know. Um, I guess it's, you know, validation that, you know, um, our working relationship is good and it's not just being teammates, it's about being friends. Yeah, that's a, a really good point. Uh, we did the roundtable of gratitude in Austin at the dinner after we hosted the mastermind with a bunch of our, our best customers. And that was way more powerful than anything that we had done remotely. It was really cool. And all, for a lot of the people that were there, it was the first time that they had seen us do that, mm-hmm. do that live. Um, so a couple of different things there. One, you know, you've got the, the roundtable of gratitude live, but also you've got people who are experiencing for the first time how powerful this can be. And I think everybody kind of left that, that dinner with the impression that that was a, a really cool ritual. And uh, I know talking to a couple of people, like they wanted to implement that sort of thing. We've talked about that on the the podcast previously, but I'm glad that you brought that up. I do think that that's part of what makes the way that we work work. Um, Mm -hmm. And the in-person stuff that we talked about here today, I really do think that this is the secret sauce that allows Asian efficiency to be successful. Yes, we've got a remote team and there's a lot of things that we do on a day-to-day basis that help us to be effective in our work. But there's a reason that we do these in-person meetings periodically. It's super expensive, but it's a it's a, a valuable trade-off because it makes the work that we do as a team for the next you know twelve weeks or the next six months, next year even it makes everything better. It makes the way that we work together uh, more efficient, uh, which is why you know we we consistently do this sort of thing. True, and I can't wait for our next meetup, and then I'll get to meet you in person. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, anything else you want to add, Marmel, before we wrap this up? Um, none that I can uh, I can think of, but I hope you know um, our listeners can share if they are in in a remote team, you know what they do to make it work. 
Right. If you were to give somebody one piece of advice from this episode, what would you tell them to do? Like if they're going to schedule their first in-person meeting, what's the one thing they should make sure that they do to help their team or their organization be more effective? One thing, you should learn to relax. <laughs> nice. I like it. <laughs> You know, because um, it it shows, you know, through your body language, especially because you're already in front of the person. Sometimes you can hide behind the screen with your voice, but when you're in front of the person, you know, they can see your body language, everything. So relax, enjoy the experience, um, learn as much as as you can, and and not just about about work, but you know, your personalities as well. And you cannot do that if you're not relaxed and you're just, you know. I don't know what's the opposite of uptight. Relax. <laughs> uptight if you're so uptight. So relax, open up. Regardless of whether you work in an office or work remotely, it can be easy to find yourself overwhelmed with too much to do and not enough time to do it in. We know how frustrating it can be when you just can't seem to get ahead. But good news there is light at the end of the tunnel, and you don't have to stay there. In fact, we've helped over 13,000 people make time for what's important to them and take consistent action on their goals, regardless of the demands of their personal situation. And if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, we can help you design your ideal life now. If you wish you had more time, you feel stuck, or you need a little help defeating the obstacles that stand between you and your ideal future, Take a couple of minutes and complete our online productivity quiz. In just a couple minutes, you can get personalized productivity tips to help you get unstuck and on your way to achieving success without the stress. To take the quiz, just go to theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. It will only take a couple minutes of your time and you'll get results which show you the biggest areas for improvement as well as several curated resources to help you overcome the resistance that is keeping you from achieving your full potential. You can also find links to everything that we discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 211. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us an iTunes review or a star in Overcast. The show is on Twitter as at ProductivityFM. And if you want to get your questions answered or get mentioned on the show, you can send us a tweet with the hashtag AskTPS. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next Productive Monday.